On this episode of the Breaking the Game podcast, Austin and I will be discussing the results of the latest NBA's general manager survey. It's a lot of fun. Had fun making this episode. We appreciate you guys tuning in today. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Breaking the Game show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. I am Stephen Gillespie, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Austin. Austin, how are you doing today, brother? I'm doing good, Stephen. It's Christmas Eve as of while we're recording this. I think this will come out on Christmas Day. So, you know, happy holidays to everybody. Happy holidays to you. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Happy holidays to you and yours, and Merry Christmas. And same for everybody else listening today on Friday on Christmas Day. Uh, just appreciate you guys give it, you know, giving us a little bit of time out of your busy day to spend time with your loved ones. And it means a lot to us, right, Austin? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's a it's a fun time of year, so we've had some fun shows lately, and hopefully, this will be another one. Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, today, what we're going to be talking about, Austin, is, you know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, some of the games and stuff. It's still kind of early to really get into, like, you know, who's who in the zoo right now in the NBA. So I thought it would be fun. The NBA's general manager survey came out this week, and I thought today would be just, you know, kind of a fun day to just to dive into it. This is kind of in our wheelhouse. It's not just like, you know, hey, who's a good player in the NBA? You know, they they asked a little deeper questions than that they do this annually so we're just going to go ahead and go over some of the topics and find out obviously who's in the lead for some of these you know just segments if you will and who was kind of the lead last year and we can just kind of reflect on where the where the game has gone over the last year austin how does that sound sounds like a lot of fun sounds like it'll be uh you know interesting to kind of see what's changed from last year to this year so i'm ready to get into it for sure all right. Well, let's go ahead and get started. The first one that was asked for the general managers, well, the first one listed, I don't know if this is the first one asked, is that which team will win the 2021 NBA Finals? Austin, just to refresh everybody's memory on how last season went, the Los Angeles Clippers actually won this little poll here amongst the NBA general managers. Mm-hmm. By 46%, they led the way. This season, Austin, the Los Angeles Lakers are far and away the favorite at 81%. While the Clippers are knocked back to set to the second place spot at eleven percent, Austin, does this kind of check out in your mind when you kind of brainstorm how general managers would would survey this? You know, does this kind of check out with what you would expect? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, I think that this is pretty indicative of of what most people think about the way the NBA is going to look this year. You know, some people think the Clippers you know, aren't even really the second best team anymore now. And they've kind of dropped even further. But, uh, you know, a lot of people do still trust in Kawhi Leonard. And and Paul George is still a really good second, you know, second banana or whatever you want to call him. You know, Robin, I guess. Um, And they've got, you know, a coach that's won an NBA title. So they've got a good supporting cast still. They they didn't make a whole lot of moves from last year. But I like Serge Ibaka going there. I think he helps them a lot. but, you know, the Lakers, obviously, they won the title. They won the offseason. There wasn't really a whole lot, um, you know, more they could do to kind of secure this top spot. And I think that 81% shows that. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty big, big percentage of, you know, teams, GMs that think, well, the same team is going to win. Compared to last year, I mean, not even half of the GMs, well, you know, were on 
were on the Clippers and they were number one. So, you know, that's it's pretty. It's a little surprising that it's the, quite that high to me. Honestly, I th- I kind of feel like, you know, every year there's got to be at least five or six teams that think they have a pretty good shot at winning. So, you know, you take them out. How many how many other teams didn't vote for the Lakers? Hardly any. So, um, you know, it was it was a pretty uh, a pretty dominating uh, kind of victory in this question for the Lakers, I guess. Well, if you had to guess, if you were surprised that the Clippers weren't necessarily the second best team, who would you be giving your vote to had you been a general manager at this time? Um, you know, Brooklyn, uh, Miami, one of those teams, maybe maybe Milwaukee. You know, if you do think Milwaukee got better and, you know, they were the number one team in the East last year. But Brooklyn with Ky- Kyrie and KD, just, you know, the talent level is there for them to, to be every bit as good as the Lakers, so. You know, one of them for sure, but, uh, you know, I would most likely still pick L.A. So, Well, yeah, and, you know, Brooklyn and Miami, just so everybody who's not watching right now, they did receive votes as well. So mm-hmm. they, although they didn't play second, they were still receiving votes. And Austin, real quick, before we get to our next one, I just want to kind of unveil the way that, you know, general managers thinks that each conference is going to break down. In the Eastern Conference, they think that Milwaukee is going to, you know, lead in the Eastern Conference, followed by Brooklyn, Miami, Boston, Philadelphia, Toronto, Indiana. They only have the top seven teams listed. Other play, other teams that were receiving votes were, um, you know, Orlando is on here as well. So maybe teams are fancying Orlando taking that eight seed. Austin, does that kind of sound with how how you would see the East shake out? Um, possibly, yeah. I, I mean, those those teams are all definitely going to be in the mix. I would, uh, I'd have, I'd have Atlanta in there for sure. As well as um, I would. Too. Yeah. Probably almost ahead of a team like Toronto. I'm not sold that Toronto is going to be as good as they have been in the past. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry's getting older. Uh, they lost their two, you know, big men on the inside. Their, their whole kind of inside presence is completely changed. If Chris Boucher makes a leap and is a little bit better than, then they'll be all right. And, and OG needs to keep improving, but as they are currently right now, I'm not sure that they're the the sixth best team in the East. Even to be totally honest, I think Indiana could could jump them this year. I think Atlanta could jump them this year. You know, Trey Young looked really good last night. So, um, yeah, I think the way things are going so far, at least Atlanta looks like the one team that's kind of been left off there that shouldn't have. Yeah, and we got to remember too that this stuff was compiled, you know, mostly during the off season, so it's not as real time as probably the way that we're reading this right now and evaluating the the little bit of game action that we've got to see. And we'll right. bounce right now, real quick, Austin, to the Western Conference. Obviously, the Lakers are the number one seed, followed by the Clippers. Then you have Denver, Dallas, Portland, Utah, Golden State, and Phoenix as your eight teams. That sounds about right. Probably not in that order, Austin. But do you have any big? grievances against the eight teams selected no not at all actually um about two hours before the, the opening games of the season a couple of days ago i actually posted on off the ball um network.com that you uh my article about uh where i thought every team would finish in each conference and uh really the only change from this pretty much that i see is i think i had utah a little bit higher i had portland um, I'm not sold on Portland. I think they're gonna have, they're gonna struggle this year. And then I had um, the Clippers at like fourth, I think, which you know they could very easily still take the second spot. So you know, there's no real gripe there. I just thought you know the Clippers didn't have the best off season, whereas a lot of these other teams improved. And you know, 
Denver, everybody's kind of expecting Michael Porter Jr. to kind of take that next step. So I just had Denver and Dallas ahead of uh, the Clippers. And then I think I had Portland down below Phoenix at number nine. But, they, they, you know, anywhere from four to nine for just about any of those teams after the top three is really, you know, would be wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, you just kind of realign that however you see fit. I'm right there with you. So the next uh, you know, question that was asked is who will win the 2021 Kia MVP? Austin, number one will probably surprise the both of us. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably not just it's, it's not going to be because of his performance, right? He, he's a, an incredible player. He's you know been the MVP before. He's been the defensive player of the year before. But 32% of the NBA's general managers believe that Giannis Antetokounmpo will repeat as a MVP. Now, Austin, I don't see this happening, but I don't, and again, I don't think it's going to be because of his play. I just think that mm-hmm. fatigue is a real thing. And now he just resigned that contract to stay in Milwaukee. That storyline's in there. Basically, this is his team. This is his, you know, time to really take hold of that advance past the second round, advance past the third round. And, you know, try to really just make an appearance in the NBA finals. That's really all he has left is at least a finals appearance as opposed to maybe just a ring at large. Right. But do you agree with Giannis Antetokounmpo at 32% taking the MVP? No, I kind of agree with you. I, I think I just don't see it happening. I think there's, you know, voter fatigue is kind of a real thing. And the fact that he has yet to get the Milwaukee to the, you know, to the finals or to the Eastern conference finals, um, like he, you know, they didn't even make that last year. Those those things matter to, to voters, and it's going to be kind of hard, I think, for a lot of people to sit there and say, "Okay, I'm going to keep giving the best player in the league award." You know, this this guy, this award over and over when he doesn't take his team to the championship. It is a regular season award, but a lot of people take that into account still. Um, but you know, this list is is just about as good as it gets. You know, I mean, all these guys are going to be in you know, in the running for it, I think this year, um, you know, Luca looks like he's going to have a good year. Anthony Davis, I'm sure is going to have another great year. LeBron is always going to kind of be talked about as long as he's, you know, still LeBron, but you know, if it's, if they do actually just base it on regular season, you know, performance, it's going to be hard not to give it to him, but I, I I'm with you. I think people will, will go a different direction to that just because they're, they're wanting to see something new there. Yeah, and you just ran down the most of the remaining guys receiving votes. Uh, Doncic got twenty one percent. LeBron and AD tied at eighteen percent. You know that's pretty poetic, right there. Kevin Durant right. with seven percent, and then Nikola Jokic at four percent. Now maybe fatigue has set in at least to some extent because last year Giannis did won the the poll last again last season, but at fifty two percent this season it's, it's only at thirty two percent. So right. you know. Still in the lead, but it's trimmed down. So, and I was scrolling this list, Austin. You know, a name that I didn't see on here at all. What's that? Steph Curry. That's kind of weird, right? <laughs> like you, you figure that a former MVP and a yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> you still yeah. got. He's got seventy-one games to go. You never know. You never know. He could. That's he could right. Turn it around. There's been one game, but you know, Stevens, uh, you know, alluding to the fact that I picked Steph Curry to be the MVP at the, you know, a, a while ago, and uh, he didn't look so good in their first game, and he's not even on this list of you know possible MVPs. So, I guess I picked more of a dark horse than I thought I did. So we'll see how it goes. We will, we will, and it's all right, man. It happens and, to the best of us. You know what more can Giannis do? Really, honestly, I, you know, he he won fifty two percent of the vote. He won 52% of the vote last year, 
And then he goes and wins the MVP and the Defensive Player of the Year award. Has a, a ridiculous season, and they're like, "Oh, twenty percent people less people think you're you're going to do it again now." So it's just like, yeah, that was oh, that's a little surprising. So and again, I think it's that you know that fatigue that sets in with voting the same person every time. I think even among general managers, they're probably factoring in voter fatigue, and obviously too the ascension the ascension of a Luka Doncic. I don't think that we can discredit that. You know within that same breath, right? Like, yes, Giannis mm-hmm. was great last season. He was my pick for MVP. He was your pick for defensive player of the year. And, you know, seeing both, seeing him get both of those awards, it's really hard unless he goes on and wins like the the finals. Cause typically these awards aren't unveiled until after the season itself is completed, not just the regular season, but the entire season, which is also kind of weird for a regular season award. Right. But you know, it, it is interesting to see, even amongst general managers, that he's received 20% less of the vote. But again, I think it's because the ascension of Luka Doncic has a big part to do with that. Definitely makes sense. That's probably that's probably a good uh, a good point, Stephen. All righty. Well, we'll roll into it next. Austin, this is a this seems like our wheelhouse. This is something that we would probably talk about on our Twitter group chat. This, right. this next one, it says, if you were starting a franchise today and could sign any player in the NBA, and they're again, they're talking to real-life general managers in the NBA. If you could sign any player in the NBA, who would it be? Austin, I want to ask you this question before we unveil the results. Who would mm-hmm. you who would you select if you could pick any player in the NBA? Oh. I, I want to ask you too, but I think you know I'd I'd probably go with Zion Williamson. Mm-hmm. I, I love the kid. I think he's going to be out of this world. You know, I just like watching him play. I, I I think you know he's what twenty years old. He's you know a freak of nature. He's already kind of taken the NBA by storm in the little time that he's actually been on the court. Um, so I would you know I'd have a hard time not taking Luka Doncic, but uh, I think ultimately I would go with Zion. What about you? I would take Luca at 43%. You know, I would even make an argument for a Jason Tatum. But uh, obviously, if I had, if I was a general manager and I could pick between the two of them, I think Luca is a little bit more tantalizing. Before we unveil who actually took home, you know, the honors to, to be selected in this little segment, last season, Giannis Antetokounmpo was 86% of general managers would take Giannis Antetokounmpo. Nowhere near that high this year. He's actually split right down the middle. Both Giannis and Luca share the number one spot at 43%, followed by Anthony Davis at 7%. Other people receiving votes are your Zion Williamson there, Austin. And also LeBron James at 35, 36 years old. Teams would, you know, people are still throwing his name out there as a player that you would re-sign. And again, for these general managers, they can't pick their own guys. So this isn't Rob Polinka saying I would, definitely take LeBron James. So there's another team's general manager that would say, hey, I want to take LeBron James if I could sign anybody in the NBA. Does that surprise you? Um, No, not really. I mean, he's been to the finals almost every year for the last decade. So, yeah, you know, it'd be hard to it'd be hard to say you wouldn't want to start a franchise with him, even if you just got a, you know, a few great years with him. You've got a a few years where you're kind of guaranteed a spot in the you know, at least in the contenders list, pretty high up there. So, you know, it's not super surprising. I'm sure there's somebody out there that would take him over everybody else. I wonder if it's Michael Jordan. It's probably a small market team. It's got to be like a Sacramento or a Charlotte or Utah. Could be Cleveland. Could be. Could be Cleveland. There you go. That would be funny. if Could be any GM that's crazy enough to think of, oh, maybe LeBron will get wind of that I I voted for him and want to (laughs) come here next. 
you know that there's probably a little bit of that in there. You mm-hmm. know, maybe that information will be leaked. Yeah. All right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so we'll roll into this next question that was posed, Austin. It says, which player forces opposing coaches to make the most adjustments? I'm not a super big fan of the guy that is listed as number one, not even just because of the headlines that he's been making recently, but just his style of play. It's not my favorite style to watch. He's very much a game breaker, though. You know, he's very much a, a cheat mm-hmm. code, a, a stat sheet darling, if you will. And, and just to let guys know, last season, James Harden won this award at 48%. This year, he takes home this, you know, illustrious honor at only 32%. Austin, do you agree that James Harden makes coaches have the most adjustments in game? Not really. Um, I mean, I know he makes a lot, he forces you to make a lot of adjustments, but he, he's not, you know, like some otherworldly playmaker. He doesn't like to share the ball and move the ball around a lot. I feel like you you put a good strong double team on him and make him pat make him pass the ball and that's you know you you kind of change go from there, but uh, in terms of I mean overall, he does the most adjustments six assists per game you know true true but the overall like the the most overall adjustments I would feel like it's probably LeBron James or somebody that somebody that's a a, a ball dominant player that requires a you know a lot of defensive attention but they can also kind of find his teammates in the right spots you know the next two guys on this list are lebron and steph curry and and i think they make more sense for this answer than than harden i mean i get why they're saying harden because we've hardly ever seen a one-on-one type of scorer like you know as good as he is but but those two like steph curry when he's on and running around and running off three or four screens every possession you know you're completely pulling the entire defense towards him. And when LeBron's double teamed, he finds the open guy every single time. And I just think, you know, that causes more adjustments than anything, but I guess the GMs think differently. So, well, I mean, to let's, let's speak a little bit to, to James Harden's credit here. You know, we did see the past two seasons, teams would literally send two guys to go meet him at half court for him to pass the ball, because anytime he crosses that half court line, he's an instant threat off the mm-hmm. drive. He does pass. I don't think that he's as big as a ball hog as uh, you know, other people might, but I certainly do agree that he dribble he does have a tendency to dribble a hole on the floor, right? So, you know, he he did fall back from 48% to 32%. LeBron mm-hmm. James ended up getting 29% of the general manager votes, Steph Curry at 11, while Giannis Luka and Nikola Jokic all shared 7%. Really Austin, I think in a weird way, Nikola Jokic might be the the one that mm-hmm. I would take because there's not another center in the NBA. I think Bam Adebayo is probably the closest thing, but he doesn't mm-hmm. have the ability for a big to be able to take the ball up the floor to where your center is literally in a different spot that night than he would be 99.9% of other games. Austin, what do you think about yeah. that? You know, that's a good point. You know, uh, not a whole lot of teams have a big man that they kind of run their whole offense through like that. So it is probably, you know, something different that they're not super used to. So I definitely think, you know, the, a lot of the, all these guys on this list, obviously you have to game plan. <laughs> they're pretty good. Times, you know, that even the guys that were just others receiving votes, Anthony Davis and Damian Lillard, like we've seen Damian Lillard kind of start looking a little bit more and more like Steph Curry and James Harden year in and year out with these, 35 foot threes that they hit that these guys make now like just mm-hmm. imagine how hard it is to stay in front of one of these guys anyway now you got to stay in front of them from 35 feet out on in so it's just the the thought of trying to guard any of them you know kind of gives me nightmares regardless so 
I will say that Marcus Smart puts on a master class every time that he defends Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yes, so if any coach needs to make an adjustment, they just need to break out the old pen and paper and watch Marcus Smart defend Find Giannis. him a glue guy. Find him a glue guy. He is a glue guy of the year. Probably will be a strong consideration for <laughs> for this season, Austin. <laughs> right. All right. Well, Austin, this was a question that we asked on on our show and on our network several times and obviously general managers were posed the same question it says which player is most likely to have a breakout season in 2020 2021 and my guy that i selected shea gilgis alexander shared the number one spot at 15 percent with michael porter jr followed by De'Aaron fox at 12 percent devin booker at eight and then your guy zion williamson at 8% as well, so splitting the fourth spot with Devin Booker. And there's a whole list of characters here receiving votes too, Austin. You know, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Bull Bull, Mikhail Bridges, Luka Doncic, so weirdly enough, Luka Doncic, uh, Kevin Durant. Weirdly Kevin Durant enough. makes no sense being on that list. I saw it and I was looking at it. I was like, what does Kevin Durant have Maybe to do? Maybe the injury. I don't know. I, that's I think that's probably where that came from. But what in the world would a, a Kevin Durant <laughs> breakout season look like if he hasn't had one already? I have no idea, but Gordon Hayward is on here as well. Tyler Hero, you know, the rock star of the bubble. Lowry Marketing was an interesting one. John Morant, I don't know what a breakout season looks like for him. Uh, I think that Jamal Murray is on this list. I don't know what a breakout year looks like for him. And then Jason Tatum from Boston is on here. I, again, I don't know what a breakout year looks like for all of these guys. If they do break out, it's going to be incredible. But overall, Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Michael Porter Jr., are the co-winners of this illustrious segment, Austin. Do you agree with those takes? Is there somebody that you would put ahead of them? I mean, I think I wouldn't put anybody ahead of them, but I think R.J. Barrett should be somewhere on this list just because, you know, he's young. He is very talented. All the talk about him coming into the draft last year was that he's, you know, an NBA scorer already. He's going to be able to score the ball. He's he's going to, you know, put up points. And then he kind of lost his shot from from college at least. And, if he gets a little bit more efficient this year and leads the Knicks to a few more wins, you know, I think he could be, you know, squarely in this mix of these guys, but you've got to think that SGA is poised for having a great year. He's, you know, one of about four guys. Most people can really name that even still plays in Oklahoma city. And it's not <laughs> that they don't have NBA players. They just, they changed their team so much. I, I don't remember who they kept and who they traded through the off season. So their third best I'm, player is yet to be drafted. So that's right. Uh, there you go. So, <laughs> yeah, I think their third best player is a probably a, what a ninth grader right now. Uh, probably, <laughs> but uh, you know DeAndre Ayton, I don't know. Uh, Bull Bull's probably still a year away. Mikael Bridges could could have a really good year. He's he, I like Mikael Bridges. He being always to kind of break out. Um, and you know, I think a a breakout season from a John Moran or or a Jamal Murray would definitely be. Well, Jamal Scary. Murray might. Jamal Murray would be like playing like he did in the bubble all year which because he definitely stepped it up and John Morant had a you know 44 point game in the opening game of the season so maybe maybe that's what it looks like yeah I mean you're probably right and last year De'Aaron Fox won this award with at 19 percent so it was a little less tight of a race but it's funny to see him being last year's breakout player winner at 19 percent now he's third place at 12 percent you know what right. what does darren fox have to do to no longer be on this list austin oh uh, lead sacramento to you know somewhat relativity i think i think they've <laughs> got to be at least you know relative at least you know win some games and they did they did they beat denver last night um they whopped them which is not something that i expected yeah they took them to overtime and uh 
he played good. He he looked good. I I don't know. I I kind of feel think like Marvin Bagley would have made more sense for a Sacramento Kings that, player. That's what I was list. just gonna say. I think Marvin Bagley's the guy for the the Kings. I'm sorry to steal your thunder. There is gonna need that that they're gonna need to take them. You know, take the next step. You didn't steal my thunder. We just think alike because you know that's how We're it smart. goes around here. We're exactly. just smart. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, this next segment, Austin, I'm just going to read off the starting five that they have here. So basically, for anyone who can't see this piece of paper in my hand, which is probably everybody listening right now, uh, you know, each general manager was asked what X position is the best in the NBA. So, you know, from point guard to center, granted, you know, if we still have positions in the NBA, I don't know anymore with the way that all stars and all NBA teams are voted anymore. But for the sake of this segment, positions exist, and I'm going to go ahead, Austin, and list off the player that won each position and the percentage that they won by. All right. So the best point guard in the NBA, Steph Curry at 30%. Last year, he won it at 90%, so that's quite a big fall, right? Yeah. Um, at shooting guard, James Harden won it at 68% this season. Another big fall. Last season, he was at 86%. LeBron James is listed at the best small forward this season at 57%. Last year, Kawhi Leonard won it at 62%. The best power forward in the NBA is Giannis Antetokounmpo at 46%. He won it last year at 59%. And then the best center in the NBA, 50% of general managers have Nikola Jokic. That's actually up from last year at 48%. Austin, what do you think about the NBA's general manager starting five? Um, I think it's fairly spot on. I mean, the the one that you can really kind of make a big stink about would be point guard, I think, you know, just off of what we saw in the first game, you know, but Steph well, I mean, very well made did do good. Damian Lillard had a bad game as well. So true. But you know, it's the only one I think is close. Yeah. Even hardly at all. So what was in most interesting to me is you know, LeBron's in the in the top five and three of these categories. <laughs> Correct. Yes, that was incredible. Four, I'm glad no, that you three, got three, that. Three, yeah. Three, yeah. Small forward, power forward, and point guard. He's he's second for power forward, first for small, small forward, forward, and what fifth fourth. in point guard. Was it fourth or fifth? Yeah, he's in top five. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm right. glad that you caught that. I was gonna bring it up yeah, if that's you didn't just insane. It. You know, James Harden, I'm not sure how his numbers from last year went down because to me there's really not even a, a good argument to be made about any of these other guys on this list. I, I, I mean, Bradley Beal's good, but like what James Harden does offensively is just insane. And and he, believe it or not, regardless of what people say or what the narrative has always been around him, he did play pretty well on, def, on defense last year. He's he's gotten a lot better. Um, yeah. So, you know, it was kind of surprising that that he's not still at around 86% like he was. And it's also kind of surprising that people still think Damian Lillard's better than Luka Doncic because I kind of feel like the prevailing, you know, thought on that is that as Luka's time is pretty much right now. I mean, he's like a MVP favorite on a lot of people's ballots, and Damian Lillard's not, you know, wasn't very high on that list if he was on there. I think he was on the receiving votes part, but yeah, well, for one, he was only three position points behind um, Damian Lillard. And again, I think that this positionless NBA didn't really do him any favors in this, right? Because he was right. third at point guard. He was tied for second at shooting guard, and he also received votes at small oh, forward. So that's no one what I mean. Like really it, knows. I don't know how you say he's not a point guard. I think he runs the show there. I think he runs that offense and, and I think it's, pretty obvious even if they have another you know guard playing with him that's maybe you know 
smaller than him that may guard the point guard on the other team, I think Luca's a point guard for sure. So. I would have loved to seen Nikola Jokic get votes for point guard. That would have just been incredible. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been really spectacular. Well, hey, you know, I'm sure at some point this year LeBron will play center, so can we throw him in there too? You can put him wherever. You know, he could even probably get some coach of the year points, even general manager. You what know, do you I mean, think of the just the idea that the like you said the all NBA teams and the All Star they almost don't even really use center as a position on there anymore. I, mean, mm-hmm. I don't think they do. And then, but they still ask the GMs, you know, pick the best center. Like, well, you know what's really interesting about that to me, Austin, is that they say that the center position is gone, but I think that there's more depth at center than there is power forward. So the fact that yeah. they say that, but then again, like, and not to get sidetracked, but recently there's been a whole lot of debate on whether or not Anthony Davis is a better power forward already at this point in his career than, than Tim Duncan. And we've talked about this a little bit because Tim Duncan played with at the height, basically of the power forward position, you know, that kind of that golden era and who's the second best power forward in the NBA right now. Giannis. If is, if he's not the best, or is Anthony he a power Davis. forward? I don't know. I think so. <laughs> I don't know. Is he center? Is he a small forward? Like I've, it's it's just again, it's weird. Like you don't have like a according first to this, it's LeBron James. So he's, he's the second best power forward. Plays with him. So I don't yeah. know who said that or why people. But are LeBron that is listed as as a higher power forward than. <laughs> that's what I mean. That's yeah. what I mean. That's what I was just gonna say. You know if. If he's if Anthony Davis is as good as Tim Duncan, then how good is Giannis? How good is LeBron James? Because they're you know I mean LeBron's the only one on this list that you can make an argument even in the same class as Tim Duncan at least yet. I mean, mm-hmm. do people not remember like that wasn't that long ago that the Spurs were the best team every year or every other year they were in the finals or you know we're not was, young we're not young guns anymore, Austin. We're in and our he 30s, kept them. So. He, I understand that, but he kept them. At the top, from the time when Shaq and Kobe were dominating the West, all the way up until LeBron was going back to Cleveland the second time. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a long time. We talk about how long LeBron's been on top. Like, Tim Duncan was arguably one of the best two or three players in the world for 15 years, too. You know what I mean? He he wasn't as flashy and didn't say anything in the media and didn't really talk a whole lot and just let his game do the talking. And it it wasn't sexy, but, you know. There's nothing like that Tim Duncan bank shot. I mean, you knew it was going to go in every single time. I mean, it was like there's nothing you could do about it. I remember playing with him, not to get off topic too far, but I remember playing with him on the old NBA NBA live games. And it was almost like anytime you had Tim Duncan, if you just hit that little jumper from the from the elbow, it was like a cheat code. Like he couldn't, he never missed it. You know? It was like that in real life. Yeah. And so it just people get caught up in the, you know recency bias recency bias of things and it's ridiculous like anthony davis is really really good but tim duncan is you know one of the best we're we're not here to discredit anthony davis but i think the disrespect given to tim duncan you know is is a pretty outlandish sorry we'll we'll get back on track here austin we'll 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 go live some other day and talk about (laughs) this matchup right so general managers were asked who is the best defensive player in the nba austin i want you to take this one away because i mean your guy is fourth place in single digits amongst general manager voting. You know what? This shows me that there's three frauds on this list and then the greatest defensive player of all time. 
No. Uh, anybody that watches our show kind of knows our, our, our little running joke that I think Rudy Gobert is the greatest player ever um, just because he's so good defensively in the way he rebounds and Steven likes to give me a hard time for it. But I mean, mm-hmm. in, in all reality, this list is pretty good. I would put Gobert ahead of Kawhi Leonard. I, I just haven't seen Kawhi really show me that much great defensively the last couple of years. You know, the last time I really feel like I remember him being really, really elite in, uh, defensively was probably in maybe in Toronto, but really thinking back to when he was in San Antonio was when that, you know, ever since then he's kind of taken more on more of an offensive load year in and year out. And, you know, guys don't have, you know, unlimited energy, you know, they, they have to kind of conserve things somewhere. And the way he, as much as he has the ball in his hands now and how, how much of an offensive load he has, I think that's kind of taken away from a little bit of his effort and intensity defensively, just because it has to. Mm -hmm. Um, But other than that, I mean, this list is pretty good. I, I don't know what Rudy Gobert's got to do to get a little bit more respect, though, honestly, in terms he's of like seven- Ronnie Dangerfield of the NBA right now. Yeah, the 7% of people think he's the best defensive player in the NBA, 7% of GMs. I think that's low. I, I, I'm surprised that Anthony Davis is is where he's at it at 21%. I mean, he's a great defender, and we saw that last game in the finals just how – how much of a difference he can make on the defensive end. But I think Rudy Gobert does that night in and night out. That's where the, the difference is, I think, for me. This is what rings do for you. And and this tells me that first impressions last forever. You know, I mean, you got Giannis Antetokounmpo won this award at 46%. Last year, Kawhi won it at 45 You have Anthony Davis at 21%. Kawhi has fallen from grace, you know, almost 30%, Austin. So it's, it, people are kind of catching up to what you already know. And then Rudy Gobert at number four at seven percent. You know, Heat teammates Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler got votes at this too. So Austin, do you think that they're deserving to be in this? Definitely, don't you? I mean, I think Jimmy Butler's always been one of the, the better defenders in the NBA, and and we saw Bam guard one through five in the finals last year, and literally, yeah. legitimately one through five. A lot of people say that, but he's the first person I've ever seen do it with any kind of success. I mean, Kevin. I mean, Kevin Garnett was was really the first guy that I remember that could do one through five as well. But, you know, I just would have liked to seen a little bit more diversity here in in this part. You know, I would have loved to have seen, you know, Ben Simmons get some recognition here. You know, he was arguably one of, if not the best perimeter defender last season. And then my, you know, my glue guy of the year, Marcus Smart, I would have loved to seen him just get a vote in in this segment. Chris Dunn probably should be in the conversation a little bit every now and then, you know, then too. I think I love Chris Dunn too. I think by the end of the year, he might be now because, you know, he, he was imp- what he did in Chicago last year was pretty special, and people just kind of don't really talk about him much. No, nah, and he's in a more sexy locale this year, and on a team that looks to be on the rise. So hopefully, he gets mm-hmm. enough playing time behind all of those perimeter players that he's going to be competing for minutes with. And it's right. going to be hard, but hopefully, you know, he most gets, definitely, hopefully, he gets the recognition, like you said. All right, Austin, who is the best international player in the NBA right now? Uh, who do you think it is? I, I disagree with this list. I think it's, uh, I mean, I, think, I guess, yeah, uh, I guess I Giannis Luka gets Luka that award, but I think Luka Doncic is, is the best one. Yeah. Well, last year, Giannis got it at 79%. He fell to 68% this year. Luka Doncic was second at 29%, followed by Nikola Jokic at only 4%. I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense, but yeah. there's a lot of great international players in here, too. You know, Joel Embiid could have been on this list. You know, like I said, a lot of international players doing a lot of great things. 
I think that it's a little bit closer between Giannis and Luca than GMs would otherwise I, tell you. I so, Austin. Too. yeah, that's that's kind of part of what my my issue with it is is that uh, um, just the 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 width of the de- you know the difference there 68 percent to twenty nine percent is is crazy. Um, I this kind of brings up a question to me that I want your opinion on. If we took the five best international flavor players and the five best American players, who do you think would win? I think it's still America, but I think that it's uh, I think it's a fun game to watch. I think yeah. that that's that should Closer be an all star probably ever been. Yeah, and I think it's only going to get closer. Yeah, mm-hmm. that should yeah. be an all star game, not just like how they do it with the the rookies and the second year guys. You know, right? But That'd be a cool be. little wrinkle to throw in every now and then. Yeah, I, I think that would be great. Basically, like the mm-hmm. you know us against the world mentality, right? You know how in soccer they do like those different cups where sometimes you're on your club team and sometimes you're on your country's team, and then sometimes it's like the best of the best in Europe and stuff. It'd be kind of interesting to see them do something like that here, where they just take like you know the best of the best of all the international players and put them against you know Katie and LeBron and see what they can do. Yeah, that would be awesome. Be a lot and, of fun. We should write a letter to the NBA. Austin. There you go. All right, let's can, keep moving. We can come up with their new uh, all-star festivities for next year. It, it's, I mean, the Elam ending implementation was, you know, very, an awesome idea. And I love the the idea of the players picking who they want to play with too. Mm-hmm. They've added a couple really interesting things. It made for a good little rivalry there for a second. Yes, between it it's too bad that, you know, with everything that happened that we're not going to have another all-star game this year. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, at least we get basketball, right? So mm-hmm. I mean, there, there is that. You're affected because you're in Indiana, so I, yeah. You know well, we're getting it in 24, so it just just means I have more time to add money to the account to get a better ticket. There you go. You may not have to mortgage your house again, so you know, right. Help. <laughs> and by then, hopefully, we'll have uh, media passes or something cool for keep for still doing this. Yeah, I mean, as long as we keep doing what we're doing here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio, you know, we're we're bound for for bigger and better things. But, you know, shout out to Dash Radio, shout out to Nothing But Net channel for, you know, giving us a platform to be able to come on and do shows like this. But uh, Austin, we'll keep rolling here. Which team made the best overall moves this offseason? A lot of lot of teams here. It looks basically like a playoff, you know, seating. They got the Los Angeles Lakers, number one at 37 percent. The Phoenix Suns at 22%. Interestingly enough, the Oklahoma City Thunder at 15%, sitting at the third spot. The Hawks, Bucks, and Sixers all tied for the fourth position with 7%. And then last, they have the Portland Trailblazers at 4%. Last season, Austin, the Clippers overwhelmingly won this at 82% with the, the moves that they got for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Do you think that the Lakers had the best offseason? I think they did. I mean, I think it's it's pretty obvious that they did that they won the title last year and then got better all all across the board basically you know they're deeper they're better offensively they've got you know more guys that can do more things they added shooting to a team that was already a fairly you know in the bubble at least they showed they were a better shooting team than people realized um you know i i don't know if a guy a rookie, you know, taking a little bit of a jump is an off-season move, but Taylor Horton Tucker kind of getting more minutes has has been big for them or is going to be, I think. Yeah. Um, the only gripe I have with this is Oklahoma City doesn't belong on this list. I, mean, I was going to go there. Thank you. No for way, that. because if you put them on this list, then every year you could just say that the team that decides they're going to just punt on the season and try to try to stockpile assets did a great job mm-hmm. because 
you can't say they did a great job yet because we have no clue who they're who those guys who those picks are going to be. So my point exactly. This I don't think it's they belong on there at all. It's an incomplete grade right now. At best, it's incomplete. We right. They're not going to be competitive. Shea may win Most Improved Player of the Year. Like that's what they have going for them this season. I don't know how that is the, the best moves, but let's let's take into consideration the audience that was asked this question. They're NBA general managers. So you know, there's probably a little bit of bias in the fact that like, okay, they were able to flip all of these older distressed ads. Well, not distressed, but like older assets for a team that doesn't really have a direction. And now they can build for years to come. Do you think the fact that they asked general managers is why they were ranked so high? Yeah, probably. I also feel like if, if you word it in the right way, I guess you can say they're better off today than they were three or four months ago because they were never going to go anywhere with the guys that they had anyway. Like they weren't going to be good enough anytime soon for Chris Paul to be on that roster for any good reason. They weren't going to win enough anytime soon to keep Dennis Schroeder there as a six man when, you know, they're not even going to have close enough of enough talent to keep him on the bench, you know, as a six man. So I get where they're coming from, but like, so the the commenter just said, you know, it's be built and building are two different things. You know, they're they're work they're going to try building something. It's not, you know, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be good. So, I, I I appreciate the comment. You know, that was good. You know, I like anybody that listens in. Thank you. Appreciate you checking in with us. Yeah, but, shout uh, out to Jacob Webb for writing in saying that. You know, they it kind of they kind of yeah butted their way up to third at this mm-hmm. position where I would have think that the Atlanta. They, yeah, that they aren't. They didn't. Uh, that they had a better offseason than Atlanta. Atlanta had a great offseason. Yeah, Atlanta. Atlanta to me should be number three here. But we'll transition now to a similar, similar question. Which one player acquisition, not re-signing or you know anything like that. You know what acquisition? Mm-hmm. So a free agency signing, maybe even a draft pick, is going to have the biggest impact for their team. Number one is Chris Paul to Phoenix at 44%. Number two is Drew Holiday to Milwaukee at 33%. And then Serge Ibaka to the Clippers was the third best at 7%. Other people you know, receiving votes were Bogan Bogdanovich in Atlanta. Kevin Durant somehow was under the also receiving votes to, for, to Brooklyn, although he was added last season, right? Uh, Gordon Hayward to Charlotte. And then Russell Westbrook to Washington. Last season, Austin... Kawhi Leonard won this by 67%. And now we have Chris Paul at 44%. Do you think that Chris Paul is going to have the single greatest impact? I mean, if Kevin Durant's allowed to be on the list, then no. Because, <laughs> I mean, he's definitely going to have the biggest impact for sure. But I don't know that he he counts. I don't really think he does. You know, he, he was on their team last year. He just didn't play. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you take him out, yes. Um I think Russell Westbrook should be higher on this list. I knew I had a feeling that you were going to go there. Right? I feel like he he belongs in the top three. I think, you know, going from a team that didn't make the the playoffs, you know, got booted in you know the bubble, made the bubble, but didn't do anything, and you know, definitely weren't a playoff team. They're gonna be this year, I believe. I, I don't think there's any way that they're not, and that's to me a pretty big impact. Uh, Phoenix wasn't a playoff team; they almost made it. But I think everybody kind of thought they were on the rise anyway. I, I think Chris Paul's definitely number one. Uh, but I think Russell Westbrook should be ahead of Drew Holiday or Sergi Baca because how much how much of an impact is he going to make 
really on Milwaukee because I mean he had 25 points in their first game and looked looked pretty good and yeah, and led the team in scoring. I mean, so he may he may come in and thrive and they may have a good year, but I don't know how much of an impact he's really going to make. Are they going to make the NBA Finals? If they make the NBA Finals, then maybe he belongs on this list. But otherwise. Well, maybe there was a little bit of prognostication taken into account that, you know, if Milwaukee, because everyone had all these general managers have Milwaukee as the number one seed again in the Eastern Conference. So maybe they have high hopes for that Drew Holiday acquisition. All right. So tr- transitioning from the best to the most underrated player acquisition, Austin, number one is Serge Ibaka to the Clippers at 15 percent. Steven Adams to New Orleans and Robert Covington to Portland were tied at second with 11 percent. Seth Curry was in fourth place at six percent, and then there's a whole bunch of guys. You got you know Batum to the Clippers. Every guy the Lakers signed. Basically, every acquisition that happened. If you've heard of, if you heard of an acquisition happening, they're in this collective pool. But Serge Ibaka walks away as the most underrated, not the best, but the most underrated acquisition. Austin, are you buying that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I wouldn't say that. Montrez Harrell, Mark Gasol, or Dennis Schroeder was underrated at all. I don't. I think they were properly rated. I think Kelly Oubre Jr. was properly rated in Golden State. I think Robert Covington was properly rated in Portland. I've heard a good amount of talk about that. Stephen Adams and, and Sergi Baca are kind of the two that you, I didn't hear a whole lot about. That you know, kind of flew under the radar a little bit. And they're both going to be big, big additions for their teams. But there is one other guy way down on this list. I think should be uh, could be pushing for this one, you know, one of these top three or four spots, and that's John Wall in Houston. You know, I hmm. I, I don't think people really expected a whole lot from them, but uh, you know, if if James Harden hadn't pulled all this stuff and demanded a trade and started all these you know distractions, I think Houston would have a really really dangerous roster this year. But the way things are right now, obviously not. But once. If if and when Harden gets traded and they hand the keys over to John Wall, I think that that was a pretty underrated move. But I would say in terms of how much I heard each one of these things talked about, those first two guys on the list are, are right where they belong. I don't know about what about you, but that's how I feel. Well, you know, Austin, if if some butts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas, and that's a very appropriate saying today. You know, with it being Christmas Day, so I just want to bring him one guy that I think that if you could watch opening the opening games for each team and go back and redo this list, I think that Tristan Thompson would fall way up there. He had a really good opening game for the Boston right. Celtics, and not much expectation I think put on him. Being on the team, you can also put in Jeff Teague. I don't. I actually didn't yeah. see him on this list at all, and he had a really good game for the Celtics. That, that's a really good one because I think I found out about two hours before that game that Jeff Teague even played for Boston. Like I never <laughs> heard anything about it, and when I saw that, I was like, "That that's Jeff Teague, right? Like he's that's not one of his brothers or anything, right? That's him." Not and then I saw it, and I was like, "How have I not heard more about that?" Because he's been good in the NBA for quite a while, and. Yeah. So he's played on a few bad teams, you know, that's a really good point. Yeah. You know, there's some teams where you guys go to and they just kind of out of sight, out of mind. And Atlanta will do that to you, you know, up until this season for Atlanta anyway. All right. Atlanta's the the posh team. Yeah. They're everybody. They're going to be the G league darling this season. Right. And it happens, you know, almost yearly. There's a new favorite team. I think that they're this season's Memphis Grizzlies from last year. Right. So, (laughs) Yeah, I think that that's all right. So, Austin, we'll transition now to the last one. What was the most surprising move of the offseason? Number one was Gordon Hayward to Charlotte at 54%. 
John Wall and the Russell Westbrook trade was at 18%. Jeremy Grant to Detroit was 11%. And then Montrez Harrell to the Lakers at 7%. Uh, also receiving votes were Gasol and Ibaka leaving Toronto for you know two different LA teams. Drew Holiday to Milwaukee. And then Chris Paul to Phoenix. And Austin, I just want to you know, refresh your memory that these are general managers bringing this up. So if they're surprised, I think that that holds a lot of weight. And for all of these general managers to say that they had no idea that Gordon Hayward was going to Charlotte, it'd be hard to argue with them. Yeah. You know, we give, uh, at least I do give Danny Ainge a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, flack for kind of overplaying his hand and losing Gordon Hayward for nothing more than a, than a trade exception. But it seems like a lot of people were pretty surprised by that. A lot of people inside the NBA, but I wonder too, though, if maybe some of this voting doesn't have to do with the fact that he got the giant contract that he did. And a lot of people maybe didn't see that coming. Maybe that has something to do with it. Um, but, they but did not specify that by the way. So. That's what I mean. I don't know that, that could, you know, that would go into my thinking like, Holy cow. I, I can't believe not only did Gordon Hayward go to Charlotte, but he got a four year, $120 million deal. I wouldn't give that guy 80 million, you know, or, or something, just something like that. But Montrez Harrell is one that I thought, you know, was pretty surprising. He seemed like somebody that was going to get a, a a big money long term deal and uh, sign for less per year than, um, you know, that center for Miami whose name I can never remember. Myers. Myers. Leonard, yes, you're welcome. It, it just that still blows my mind that he got you know forty million for two years and Harrell only got nineteen million per year for two years. So I, I think everybody that's on this list is is. Uh, you know pretty good yeah and i think that um you know harold obviously i think probably could have made more money if he really wanted to so i don't think it was a fact that you know he was evaluated to be that cheap on the market by everybody but you know austin that's going to put our time you know going over to this general manager survey to a close there's a whole bunch more that we could have dove into including rookies and you know who would make the best nba head coach and things like that but for everybody who wants to learn a little bit more about the survey. It's actually available to open to the public at nba.com. So please go and check that out. And we just appreciate everybody stopping in and listening to us here on, on your Christmas holiday, your holiday break, you know, here on the nothing but net channel on dash radio. Austin, I just want to give it to you, man. And, uh, you know, if there's anything nice you want to say to the people and before we, before we go, you know, the floor is yours. Uh, yeah, thank you. You know, everybody, Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening again. You know, Stephen and I have been working hard, putting out a lot of extra content if you missed it, go check out offtheballnetwork.com. Go check out you know our our YouTube channel because we just spent uh, two hours last night giving everybody Christmas gifts, all the NBA teams, and uh, it was a lot, lot, lot of fun. I know Stephen loved it. I know I loved it. You get to see us in our Santa Claus hats, so we, we got to kind of <laughs> let loose a little bit. And uh, you know, it's too bad we didn't get through the whole list, but obviously, you know. We, we did get through the, the majority of it, the big ones. The one that I would have liked to go over that we're not going to get to is uh, definitely who would you want taking a shot with the game on the line. I was pretty surprised by the outcome of that one. And then I would have loved to get to talk about the uh, the toughest player in the NBA because I think that's a pretty funny question. I don't know how you don't pick Steven Adams. Uh, you know, I think he ended up winning this that that one, but I don't I don't think the guy feels pain. You know, we've seen some some crazy things from him over the years. So this was a lot of fun. Thanks for doing it with me, Steven. This was a good idea on your part. I'm glad we got a chance to go over this. Um, you know, I think it's interesting. It's something that you don't really hear a whole lot about outside of, you know, they show the top five, you know, player from each position or whatever. And that's about all you get. So it was cool to kind of really dive into it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And back to Steven Adams, you know, he did star in the Aquaman movie. So, I mean, how, how much more tough right. can a person get? So, you know, that's saw what happened when he got kicked in that one game in the playoffs. And, you know, it looked like it didn't even happen. Yeah, I hope the dude's I mean, foot was OK. You know, Right. Like, exactly. I would have been crying. Yeah, those things are made of steel. And if you need Damn. any more reference of what we're talking about, YouTube is always available. I was going to say, just go check it out. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, and as for me, Austin, this was a fun episode. And I appreciate, you know, as always being able to do this with you. Thanks for making time with me here during this holiday time to, you know, just talk about the game that we love. And, uh, you know, we'll be back again on our normal time on Monday you know, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. You know, you can catch Breaking the Game Show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio every Monday and Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. But, Austin, I just want to encourage everybody to go to offtheballnetwork.com for all of your sports needs. You can find our content and everybody else's content. It's a lot of great stuff from, you know, NFL, hockey, basketball, college Mm -hmm. sports, MLB. We're going to be adding UFC and MMA and stuff like that here soon as well. And we're all wrestling fans. So, you know, you get a little bit of everything at offtheballnetwork.com. So please go and check that out. But, Austin, you know, Merry Christmas to you and your family, man. Yeah. Thank you. You too, Stephen. Good luck, you know. Maybe you'll get the the best Christmas present ever and and have a new baby for Christmas Day. We'll see. I'm telling my wife right now, uh, you know, that we're going to be having a baby on Christmas and it's going to be, you know, the best thing ever for a child is to, you know, share a birthday with you know, baby Jesus and you get your birthday and Christmas presents all at once. So. That, that that part of it, the, the first part of it is definitely cool. But as somebody that was born 10 days before Christmas, it kind of sucks growing up <laughs> that close to a holiday. I'll be completely honest. I'm, I'm sure it is. But, you know, Austin, just thanks again. But, uh, you know, for you, the viewers and listeners, you know, just appreciate all all the love and support that you've given us all year long. You know, we'll be helping y'all at the beginning of the new year coming up soon. But, you know, for, you know, the Nothing But Net channel here on Dash Radio, for the Off The Ball Network, for my co-host, Austin Carr, myself, for the Breaking the Game show, for the game of basketball at large, Austin, we're everywhere. We just want to wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas. Speaks for everyone. <laughs> Yes, I I do do that. And I said do do. But, you know, um, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. And we'll be catching up with you guys next time. Much love, everybody. Have a good one.